it is time to tune up the band and get bizarre, because it's time for another Sweet Chidwag podcast. I am Sam. I am joined as ever by Dan and Reardon. Boy, I've been wanting to cut that British Bulldog promo for ages. How are you, Chaz? <laughs> I want to, uh, before we get started, I would like here at the Sweet Chidwag podcast to wish Sam a happy belated birthday. Oh, yes. Oh, dang it. Birthday, boy. Coming. <laughs> do, 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 do. Yes, yeah, as of this recording, my birthday was yesterday, and these two chaps uh, last night, I uh, joined in on the fun that I had on my stream. <laughs> as a matter of fact, too Which... much fun. <laughs> Indeed. Which all of you should subscribe to, Sam, the VA mod. <laughs> Damn. Guys, yeah. you're making me go bright red. Follow, Stop follow it. up. <laughs> watch. You can watch the VOD with all our awful wrestling jokes. Indeed. Surrounded well, by people who didn't understand what those jokes meant. <laughs> Which is the story of our lives, frankly. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Pretty much. That is everything in a, in, in a nicely condensed, concise nutshell of about three hours. Anyway, uh, before we, we get into all the goodness, as ever, we give you this podcast thanks to those lovely people over at SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. And pre- pending other platforms because you know we're always forever pending. All I will the find them, and I will apply to. I will apply for us to be on them. <laughs> <laughs> so, for our penultimate episode of 2020, and before we get on to Dan's favourite subject, it is time to meet Dan on the corner of the street for this week's wrestling news. Nice. Wrestling news, wrestling news, wrestling all the way. Still with festive flavour. Listen, yeah. Yeah. we got to keep going. we got to keep this going. <laughs> we are of the season. Mm. Very true. So, let's kick it off. Something that wasn't very festive, it was raw this week. And let's be honest, it wasn't great. It drew record low ratings. Not that I particularly care that much about the ratings, but... Uh, it's been enough to spur a lot of comments, both from the network and from fans. Uh, and a lot of people just saying, why do I even watch this? Yeah. Um, yeah. And obviously this comes with following this. We've had the reports that the USA network are saying they want to take Raw in a more mature direction. That comes with them saying uh, a more that they've termed a more dark and violent direction and not sexy adult. And a lot of people have been saying this, taking this as, oh, like, um, we're going to be going back to the kind of Attitude Era feeling, although I would argue that Attitude Era kind of verges more on the sexy adult yeah. rather than dark oh, and violent. Very much so. I Can mean, I dark just... and violent, the Ministry, for example. Oh, God, yeah. But, like... Listen, I'm going to say this on... I'm going to say this on record... Two things. One, that's a bad idea. The Attitude Era is is the era I grew up in, mm. but a lot of it has not aged well, mm. and I don't think should be replicated in 2020. <laughs> Things have changed. And two, even like an adult, like an adult-oriented um, show isn't the problem. It's not the problem. It, it, it won't stem the bleeding. I think it's it's. I, I hate to kind of beat a dead horse with this one, but I always 
feel like we all know what the problem is. It's it's creative. Mm. I know. Well, I know. This, it's, this it's, thing, it's, right? Yeah. I'm I'm all for you know like what I would term more mature storytelling. Like mm. if you want to take you know a more intensive, deeper look at things, that's okay. But then you need everything around it to support that. Yeah. Mm. You know, you can't be telling a serious story unless you frame everything in a very serious way. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of one of the things that, I mean, as we'll be getting onto later, I've really appreciated that, say, for example, Ring of Honor have done. Yes. Because they have a story that's framed in a very serious way. Mm. But that, you know, they're, they're consistently building it in that same way. Everything around it is treated very seriously. Indeed. I get and so and yeah and as we said we think it's it's a it's a thing that stems through creative yeah and you know it seems to be the the time on a tradition that every show has to have like six different writers things change every you know we always get reports of the script being changed an hour before the show yeah. you know it's, booking it's being even, rewritten yeah. constantly it's not even the, it's not like a, the fact that there's like six different writers at all like there are loads of like shows have like big writers rooms where everyone's just trying to get the work it's a systemic thing that like it gets you do all that work you get some good ideas or not so good ideas in the case may be but you get some like you get a idea that is focused and been workshopped and then it's thrown out of the window on the whims of a, a handful of people. Well, let's be honest, yeah. one person. Well, I mean, yeah, we like, say handful of people, but definitely in definitely in this in this period, the one who's certainly been coming been coming under fire is Bruce Pritchard. Mm. Yeah. He has received a lot of the uh the distaste for it, at least in in regards to also the creative pull that Paul Heyman has on SmackDown. Mm. Um, it's it's when i thought about it when i was kind of really trying to think of um kind of things to say about this especially with this episode of raw i went back to what um uh what blompier did when he did the how um he would book the kind of like wwe after vince uh you know um, uh goes retires retires air quotes um it's 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 it, I cannot imagine what it's like being a WWE writer having to write a Lord of the Rings worth of material every single week at the behest of a man who pretty much is mad. <laughs> well, because it, it it's it's the whole thing that came up. Um, I don't know why it came up so specifically this week. Um, but there were just a bunch of tweets that all followed each other, which were saying, um, were rem- remembering that obviously Goldberg versus Fiend this year happened. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. oh, God, that was this year. It's been and a long time. So but the, the thing about it, and it also it came up in conversation with Rhea Ripley versus Charlotte, which I'll be talking about later when it comes to NXT. Hmm. But it just seems to be the thing of it was agreed the Fiend was going to win. At Super Showdown, hmm. and then just an hour before, supposedly as it goes, Goldberg went spoke to Vince, said, "Oh, I should beat him, and then we can build to a rematch." Which again will come up in the episode proper <laughs> <laughs> uh, in regards to a certain person. And yeah. sure enough, just 
with that, it was enough of Vince to go, you know what, we should do it, and consider that was a good decision, which it has shown at least 98% of people have regarded this as one of the worst decisions in wrestling booking. <laughs> God, to think that was actually this year. Oh, blimey. Uh, yeah, the moment you said this year, I just felt like I felt the weight of time on me. Oh, you know don't worry, I felt it. You know what's amazing about this week's Raw? Is that uh, it has been? It was so underwhelming and so uneventful that we've barely talked about what happened on that roll. <laughs> well, and, okay. and that's tr- I, and that's true. I don't because I don't want to pass this as a judgment on on the wrestler himself. But I'll just be here and say the highlight of this week's roll was our truth. Yeah, yeah. He was mm. arguably the only highlight. <laughs> he had a great. He had a great moment um, with Elias. Mm-hmm. I'll be here and say as well, Jackson Riker doesn't need to be on TV. He's we can wrong. skip past that though. Yeah. <laughs> um, again, Archie had a good moment with uh, Bray Wyatt. That mm. was pretty entertaining. And it, it, it's just like you can't just shoulder all the sense of putting entertainment onto him. Mm. The, the starting segment hurt me <laughs> emotionally. Oh, boy, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, it looks like we're going to be getting uh, a Hurt Business versus New Day best of 17 series. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, it was okay if it was best of seven, but, you know. You know, I mean, with, with how things look to be going in the weird women's tag title situation it looks like we unless we get a bait and switch for tlc we're not getting any kind of payoff mm. for lana now that she's kayfabe injured apparently she's yeah. supposedly kayfabe injured i don't well, know K- K- kayfabe injured and taken into an ambulance to a local medical facility oh yeah yes so Oscar has a mystery partner now. So uh... yeah, so Oscar now has a mi- uh, has a mystery partner, and obviously the initial thing people were thinking was it was going to be Lana and a mystery partner, which really so, is the thing that should make sense. But you know, which is the which is the thing that should make sense because people were like, I mean, maybe this is me just being so used to just seeing other people book that you know other people kind of fantasy book this, mm. which was going to be Lana mystery partner Charlotte returns. Because they both have some kind of investment against either one of Nia Jax or Shayna Baszler, and then that's like the setup for Charlotte returning, whatever. Um, I assume that will then be held off till the, till the Women's Royal Rumble if that's happening. Mm. Um, Oscar has a mystery partner. I can have infinite dreams about who it is. Kyrie Sane's magic return. <laughs> Io Shirai appears for a single match on main roster. Or any number of other women's talents that they have in the roster. Sonya Deville, but she's on SmackDown. But then again, we've established the brand split means nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But that's about that, really. Other other bits of note. This is just a note for myself. Did you see the the promo that Mace from Retribution cut? Yes. Can I just say this? Uh, when I listened to it, I, I heard the first thing I thought was he sounds like an NPC from Fallout New Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong. I can't describe it, but it's a very specific feeling, and it sounded like it. The thing is, as well, though, he's the only one out of that group that has good image, and I actually think could sustain afterwards. Yeah. Aside from Mustafa Ali. 
Oh, by the way, did you did you see they put um, the Mustafa Ali light up masks on WWE shop? Yes. <laughs> Bit late for that. <laughs> oh, for the love of Pete. Uh, <laughs> um, otherwise, though, the women's tag title is just in a completely confusing position. I have no idea where it is. I have no idea where Keith Lee sits in the current situation. Um, yeah. That match hurts him too much. Mm. I think it's. I think that match kind of was a miscommunication on both both Morrison and Lee, especially that pounce spot. It's 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 yeah. a thing that happens. You can't bat a thousand, and unfortunately, I think he has been Keith Lee has been put in such oh god such an awful position since he's been called up to the main roster. It's it's, it's like he's been he's been protected, but he has also hasn't been pushed. <laughs> Yeah. It's a weird. He's just like it's like he's just like he he has been really really protected. He he's I don't even he's only lost like one match. Mm. But at the same this time, this being like the second one in a handicap. But at the same time, mm. he hasn't gone anywhere. Yeah, you also feel I've also feel like he's he, he seems a bit stifled. Like he wants to run on all cylinders, but I feel like Vince is telling well, him he's not I mean, allowed to run on all cylinders. Well, I mean, I mean that's the thing. It's people who are saying like they want him to learn to be a better big man, but that's not Keith Lee. Exactly. Yeah, I'm like, I'm like, what because he's he... limitless. Yeah, what does he have to like? What does he have to he learn? Was, he, was, he was the whole point was he wasn't your stereotypical big man that did like really boring powerhouse moves. He was out there doing fucking Spanish flies with Dominic Dijakovic. <laughs> I don't know if oh. they're doing the flippy spots. Oh, he's got he's still got the indie styling, and that's why I put out the meme that was like um, beat the indie out of him. <laughs> I liked, I liked, but um, you know, it, it just seems like he, he isn't in the same, he isn't allowed to do what he wants to do and what he's best at. One day. One day, One day. well, let's move. Let, let's move uh, straight on to NXT. Mm. Uh, just quickly going over to NXT UK. It looks like we're getting. The, we've got the setup for Walter versus Aikid, which I am all for. Yeah, I'm. I'm totally up for that. I mean, I know you know I've gone on occasion, and I am a Dragonov stan, but you know I am more than happy to. See, I am more than happy to see this match for sure because I think Aikid's been on a bloody roll since winning the Heritage Cup. Yeah, no, he's been on an absolute roll. I mean, in the run-up to winning the Heritage Cup, winning the Heritage Cup, and now where it goes from there, challenging Walter. Mm. Um, obviously, I, I completely think that Dragunov stays in the picture. They had a promo for him as well, yeah. where he was talking about having to reset and re and like readjust. He is, which so... I think I think is a I think is a really good angle. Mm. He's so because it really sets it really mm. sets up that that kind of the grudge match feeling. Yeah. I, I mean, he is such a captivating watch. I just, it, it, Dude, more I so him. now that he, you know, that you have a WWE budget behind him. God, I love his promo style and his ring work. Uh, also, quick one of NXT UK. Very excited to see Ben Carter being signed up. Yeah. Um, after watching his matches in dark and, you know, having a couple of indie matches I've seen here and there. Um, I was very much of the opinion that he probably would have ended up in AEW, but I no, I, I thought mean, I thought they were going to sign him. All I'm saying is you slipped up, Tony Khan, because you missed out on an absolute coup of a talent <laughs> in Ben Carter. Yeah, no, like honestly, it, it it's amazing that they managed to WWE managed to pull it off and get him into NXT UK. Um, I hope with that acquisition, um, people, I think more eyes would probably start going on to um, 
on NXT UK because those two dark matches that he had have been more one of the or two of the more higher rated uh, and most yeah. viewed videos on YouTube uh, for AEW. So um, no, good on Ben Carter, but uh, yes, NXT. Yeah. Moving Absolutely forward. though, moving on to NXT or NXT main along with the <laughs> many new iterations of NXT that seem to be coming. <laughs> uh, just as a quick time frame, I put out a tweet about this, but um, it looks like we're now getting NXT India. Mm-hmm. next year yep. interesting uh so wwe i mean to be fair i understand it there's no real big territory there mm. there's mm. no real big company india is a very strong wwe fan base AEW's made strides in there there's also a, quite a sizable contingent of new japan fans there and also but, the place is huge well also you have 1.1 billion people to tap into as a market so, uh, and also, uh, so i've seen and the great colleague. I, I mean, I, as I was saying to annoy my friend, Jinder Mahal's finally found his place. But people, my friends will come to me and say, "Don't hinder the Jinder," and I'll just say, "I'll just return and say he's." That's why I call him Jinder Midhall for a reason. Um, but you know, I think it's a great move on their part, especially from a business sense. Yeah. You know, I get the full understanding of why they do it. And then obviously it seems like apparently they're doing a an NXT for NXT. This is weird. So it's like a second what? developmental show. Basically, like I said, so basically they, it's just Evolve after yeah. WWE got the acquisition. So basically, if, if memory, if if I'm correct, Dan... The, the, closest, be... the closest I can describe it's basically going to be WWE's version of Dark. Right. And it's okay. correct me if I'm wrong, this is gonna be run by Gabe Sapolsky. Um form, form of, Evolve. Of, uh, <laughs> of Evolve, former owner of, of Ring of Honor as well. Um Triple H is going to give him junior writers, I think, for, for from from NXT or writers from WWE or his own creative yeah. team to run shows. Basically it's taking the house shows of what they had for NXT when they did it in school gyms and leisure centres. And then basically yeah. just having them under a different umbrella. So basically Evolve. Yeah, no, basically <laughs> it is just what how WWE treated Evolve when they initially did the acquisition and made the sharing agreement to have Evolve events on the network. Like, that's literally what it is. <laughs> In the words of Simon Miller, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, moving on, moving on to what I'm now going to just start terming NXT main. <laughs> uh o'reilly versus balor uh two at new year's evil looks great readily in for that mm. um will be interesting to see the direction they go over i'm kind of expecting balor to retain but i think they'll put on an absolute barnstorm of a match mm. uh cross looked amazing on his return looked in great condition yeah uh so again expect him to be coming for that title real soon mm-hmm uh, Shotzi looking like an amazing underdog kind of face. Yeah, it's oh. what NXT is best at building. Exactly. Um, Isaiah Scott looking like we're going to get a heel turn. Exactly. Very interested. Interested to see where the cruiserweight title picture goes. Obviously, we have the situation regarding Jordan Devlin and um, eh. 
Santos Escobar. <laughs> we totally haven't forgotten the Cruiserweight Champions names. <laughs> well, because I was there and I was going to go versus El Hijo Del Fantasma yeah. and I was like, he doesn't go by that anymore. Jake <laughs> <laughs> um, Atlas um, is still undefeated if, if, if I... Uh... Yeah, Jake Atlas picked up the win on 205 against Tony Nice. Uh, so again, amazing to see him kind of keep going in uh, leaps and strides. Uh, again, uh, I'm uh, astounded by the quality of the Zia Lee and Boas segments. Yeah, you know what? Someone <laughs> get, came to me, with, or I saw a very interesting um, theory about who the hooded figure may just be that's pulling the strings uh, with these segments. Now, if you remember back in, like, oh, I guess maybe 2018, 2019, just when Zia Lee had just debuted, she was partnering... Uh, in house shows with someone called Karen Q. Oh, yeah! Someone threw that suggestion that <clears throat> possibly this could be Karen Q. Dude, I'd be, I'd be here for it. I mean, my, my personal favourite one that's been following after the, this segment, or, and some of you have been saying it before, some of the other ones, <clears throat> uh, in regards to them returning in ring, mm. that actually this might be the setup for kind of, I mean, we're terming it what we'd normally term like force of nature, but like you know, them getting hit and just not selling. Yeah, <laughs> and I am here for that. I am. I'd be up for that <laughs> as long as it was done right. Because sometimes it can be yeah. very hokey, and we've seen people in the past who no sell that do it very hokey. I think the only one who's managed to ever pull it off right is the Undertaker when he debuted. Yeah. So mm. it's going to be very interesting. You got to make sure that it's it's just you know, it, enough. It's, it's it's you know you gotta keep it consistent exactly exactly because i i love the premise that obviously they've taken so many hits and so much punishment that you know you know i just love to see like boa in a ring against like say kylo riley and kylo riley has him on his knees just hits him in the chest and he just doesn't react yeah i I would love that but i mean let's get to the big point of nxc it's been the big thing that a lot of people have been talking about rhea ripley's booking Hmm. And again, it's that thing where someone's end up in a weird place. Yeah. I've... And honestly, for myself, I would just put it as I just don't think she's recovered from Charlotte Flair. And that's you think so? I think that's the biggest. If you ask me, that's probably the biggest shame. One of the biggest shames of of twenty twenty WWE is has been Rhea Ripley's kind of unfortunate booking. Um, it's not <clears> to say this match that she had with Tony Storm was bad, not in the slightest, no, because no, these not two can go, and they've shown in the past they can absolutely go. Um, but after this match, I, I was just wondering, uh, uh, where are they going with Rhea? Because I honestly thought the Shirai <clears throat> match would have been would have been the perfect cap off. Go to the main roster. And, yeah, no, uh, that's that's the yeah. thing. It's it's just about where. You know where does Rhea Ripley sit in the frame of this? Because like, I think I mean like, people forget it. I mean, I we we mentioned it a lot though. Rhea Ripley's only twenty four. Yeah, she's got years left. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I was speaking as if she's retiring in the next several months because of you what's know, happened. And, you know that, and like we said, the, you know the problem that NXT does have is that they've got such a stacked women's division. Yeah. Mm. You know they've got so much talent in there. It's hard to kind of contain it all. But, you know, 
it's very clear to a lot of people that Rhea Ripley can anchor the entire division. Yes. Mm. And yes. I, I don't... It's just hard to know where they're really running with things and what the direction is, because she seemed a bit directionless. You know, obviously mm. there was the whole stuff with Robert Stone, which was, you know, more on the comedic end, but it still built her as like a force of nature, you know, doing the prism lock to two people at the same time. Yes. You know, it, even though it was, it didn't really, you know, build to anything, it still showed her off in a very distinct way. Mm. You know, the match with Io Shirai and the War Games match, it all kind of made her, you know, it gave her that very distinct air that she was a force to be reckoned with. Yes. And it just it just seems like, mm. you know, since, since dropping the title to Charlotte, it's just never been the same. It's like they just don't see her as as champion material now. I, real question, and I know this has probably been said by so many podcasts who do news segments, but I, 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 I probably already know the answer, but was that match at WrestleMania, was Charlotte winning the NXT Championship all that beneficial to Charlotte's career? No. I I remember. No. I think we discussed this, actually. No, we, 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 ha- we I mean, we have discussed this. Yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, it, it's, again, it's worth saying we're talking about booking ideas. Originally, that match was going to be Rhea versus Charlotte versus Bianca Belair. Mm. Uh, and, uh, and that Charlotte was going to pin Belair for the win. Yeah. And then it got changed to Charlotte versus Rhea with Rhea tapping out. Yeah. I I remember I remember we discussed this um Sam and I afterwards. And I was like we discussed this and I said how utterly confused I was (laughs) at that finish. I I went in that match thinking like like Charlotte's gonna lose. Mm. Surely. Like surely she loses that one. And was just astounded that she honestly astounded that that she won it. She I didn't. Mean, yeah, she like, didn't need it at that point. Even if she was like, I think, I think that's the thing. I don't think it did anything to build anyone. Hmm. I don't think anyone really got any credibility from taking the title off her. It was. And I don't think it. I don't think it did. I don't think it did anything for mm. NXT or the NXT Women's Division. It didn't. I, it's such a bizarre um, decision, <laughs> and it's kind of left. It's kind of and it's left um, Ripley without any kind of real anchor into yeah. what. Yeah, I mean, I can give. About. I can give my theory on the decision, which is just horny Vince, but you know, you know, I really hope. I really hope it isn't as arbitrary a decision as that. I I'm like oh, I sorry, need... because it's because she has flair in her name. Uh... So I'd like to think it's probably because because he's so old and because he was try he was try, he was forcing the uh the the state of Florida's hand in trying to make WWE an essential business. I I bet he genuinely forgot it was for the NXT Women's Championship and thought it was for the Raw Women's Championship. God, I believe that actually. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, Not that that's been confirmed that he was sque- that yeah. he was doing a Chinese rope bird to the governor of Florida <laughs> to keep them an essential business, my I add. 
but they did. But Linda McMahon did give them quite a nice sum of money shortly before that announcement. We've all so, we spoke, yeah. I, I know I've spoken about this before. Pajama, <laughs> <laughs> oh no, on to SmackDown. Just to finish up with uh, NXT, though, um, I think Leon Ruff needs a little bit more seasoning time. Mm. But good tag match he had with but um... still good tag match kushida is a bona fide next american north american champion yes leon roth did take quite a tumble which was a shame yeah. it was a shame because um, he looked like he really he, he looked like he hurt himself and then some and then really and then really just to say again i think indy hartwell is one of the people that kind of got lost in the shuffle but i'm glad that they've partnered her up in this kind of stable to give her a bit more presence uh moving on to smackdown i'm just gonna say Sami Zayn is excellent as ever Yes, and so is Big E, man. <laughs> he excels as a, he excels as a face and as a heel. I'd love to see you know coming up towards Mania, Sami Zayn turn face again. Yeah, I'd but, love to see it. But I, I genuinely, this has lent so much to his heel credibility. Mm. Did you see what he? You so this segment was uh, the Sammy Awards, Reardon, if you've seen it. I love oh. the fact that he made these awards look like the Slammy Awards, but he's taken Sami Zayn action figures, painted them gold, and put them on black painted tin cans. That's good. It's amazing. Good oh, yeah. <laughs> um, this is just an aside to say, especially from the Talk of Smack Zayn, Montez Ford is a bona fide future star in wrestling. God damn. No, no, no debate. Week seven of us saying no, this. like <laughs> honestly, yeah. whichever company picks him up, he's a bona fide star. Yeah, great tag match he had as well with uh with Rude and Ziggler and yep. um, um oh man, I mean I know we talk about Ziggler all the time, but God man, Ziggy's... how has he been so consistently entertaining to watch all these years? So he's been so consistently entertaining to watch these. <laughs> Daddy, he, he he's he just got that talent and that ability. So rude, and yet why are they part? Why are they stuck in the tag division, man? Yeah, the, I mean, there's a whole thing. There's like a whole thread <laughs> I was going through, which was like, um, uh, who do you think should have been a WWE champion that hasn't been, or didn't get like the bet, didn't get a fair rub at being a champion? And like Bobby Roode was one of the ones that came oh, up like constantly. Yeah, because <laughs> it's true. Yeah, because it what? is true. Jesus, it's true. <laughs> um. Just gonna say this now for any people that are listening, Bianca Belair losing to Bailey is not a burial. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> Whoever needs to hear this because you, you're, I feel like you're forgetting the fact that Bailey is a multiple time women's champion. <laughs> <laughs> so, unless... she, this is this is not a burial in any way. Unless she goes on a losing streak that that one time MVP did up until he won the US Championship, I yeah, don't like think unless it's something like that, this is this is not a burial, and I think this is just setting up Bianca for much bigger things. Mm. Because Bianca will be getting a shot at the SmackDown Women's Title without question, without without question. So speaking of the hold your horses, title, Carmella's wine champagne soiree thingy, I. I, did, I don't get it. <laughs> I got none of it. I just assumed it was a vehicle for Corey Graves. We're spicy today, aren't we? Otherwise, I don't. I literally don't know what other purpose it served. Uh, speaking of it burials, did though, like nothing. 
Speaking of burials, though, Kevin Owens got buried under tables, ladders, and chairs. Oh, dude, that segment was like so was. I loved. It was so unintentionally funny to me. I just it seemed you know what it weird it was like the the whole thing of Jey Uso going throughout the night beating up Kevin Owens. You know what it reminded me of? Do you remember the segments during the invasion angle where Sean Stasiak would try to attack someone and then just end up falling <laughs> or face planting into something? I thought that was like the counter to Sean Stasiak's messing up. It just reminded me. It's one of my favourite visuals ever, but it's where I think Kurt Angle is talking to William Regal. <laughs> yes. Uh, and then Sean sees that runs in, runs into a suit of armor. And the best thing about it is that they never mention the fact that he ran in. Yep. <laughs> they just keep talking like nothing happened. It's, it was amazing. I will say, as much as Sean Stasiak didn't get a fair rub, the dude was so entertaining at that in that in that role. <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. <laughs> um, this is this is just another side note to say Billy Kay is great. But Kay, we already knew this. We already knew this. But Billy Kay should be partnered with Peyton Royce. That's what I'll yes. say. <laughs> um, I'm just going to say this. Billy Kay shouldn't have taken the pin in this match. This is just my opinion. But, like, honestly, she has been so consistently good and in so many segments gotten more over with me and other fans in, like, a minute than some people do in, like, the whole-ass long-winded promos. <laughs> yeah. Like, she, honestly, so good. She's, so she's, good. She's just Billy Kay, and this is the Billy... And we all know, of all the people we stand, I think I'm probably the one who stands Billy Kay the hardest yeah. Of, yeah. of us. Well, I'm just like... <laughs> yes, you are speaking to the Empress. Okay. <laughs> Uh, moving on to AEW, uh, this is just to say, I honestly think Park has a, a fairly still underrated promo. Oh, he, re he really does. You think so? I don't know, man. I, I think some people still forget how good he is. Count me as one of those, because I, I don't know. <laughs> There's something about it. I don't. I really don't know why I, I don't. it doesn't draw me as much. Cause I understand it's the accent, why... isn't it? <laughs> it might be. <laughs> I'm I that shallow. The fun the, the funny thing is though, I think with the heel promos he cuts, I think the Geordie accent helps. It, it, it does to it does to a degree. I think I, I, it's it's I nice to see to find it like more menacing. Yeah. In a weird way. And especially because he looks goddamn menacing, like he'll you know rip your oh, head. Oh mate, the dude straight up looks like an action figure. <laughs> he does. I will definitely grant him that without question. An action figure when you've taken the hair of a kind of like a shriveled off barbie and popped it on top of his head and dyed dude, it, it, it looked, dyed it with a sharpie. He straight pen. up he straight up looks like he's built like a He-Man figure. Like, by the power yeah. of Jordan, oh, sorry, by the by power, the power of, of Brown Ale. <laughs> by the power of Gateshead. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh um, um, but no it, it looks like we're I mean obviously we're getting Kenny Omega versus Ray Phoenix I expect Kenny to win I expect Ray Phoenix to absolutely put on a clinic and hopefully yep. injure himself <laughs> uh, looks like we are getting more and more developments in the Hangman page and Dark Order storyline which I absolutely love <laughs> Did you catch uh, Hangman Page corpse in that one time where when he was uh, yep. chatting with Evil Uno? <laughs> that was amazing. 
The even funnier thing is you could tell that evil Uno was trying his best to not laugh. <laughs> I, what he said, which was so good. Um, I'm just going to say uh, Angelico and Jack Evans could be a fantastic addition to the the tag team division, even if they don't give them necessarily singles pushes. And here's the thing, right? We, I mean, if there's anyone who's what who watched Ring of Honor in the early 2000s, we all know how much of a, a name Jack Evans was. We know how talented that man is. We also, in the if you're a viewer of Lucha Underground, know how crazy Angelico can be. So it's kind of it's upsetting in a way to see them kind of almost lost in the shuffle of the tag. It, it, it is really upsetting to see them go from Lucha Underground, where Jack Evans was just launching himself off like stuff for fun, to seeing him now. But I honestly think if they give them direction for the tag division, or if AEW introduces a cruiserweight division. Or, or, and this is a bold shout, because I know the Super X Cup is coming up. Why don't you put? Yeah. Why don't you? Uh, why don't you showcase the X Division on AEW as well? <laughs> Crossover. Yeah, like appeal. something, something, something like that would be would be great because they're they're two really good talents. Because obviously, Angelico kind of feels the same niche that uh matt seidel does now mm. where he is a smaller wrestler does high flying stuff but has a whole wealth of submission and technical yeah which pairs amazingly with jack evans i mean just watch any of jack evans stuff especially his lucha underground stuff when he was going absolutely brazy <laughs> true <laughs> um just to see how good these guys are and i hope that they are slowly building them up because th2 have been featured quite a lot yeah on AEW and Dynamite recently, not just Dark. Indeed, indeed. But that's but being said that, saying all of that, it is, I think, you know, AEW's tag division's always been very strong. I think it's its strongest suit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's always been strong. Well, they, they, they're actually they paying respect to it. They're paying <laughs> yeah. respect to it. You know, they are honestly giving it a fair due. I will say I have my own issues with AEW's arguable overbooking of like six man, eight man, fourteen man tag matches. Mm. You know what I've always said. Because honestly, mm. they get done. They argue. To my mind, they get done too much. Yeah, you know what? It, I I said this to a friend of mine, and I'm pretty sure I've said this to you too as well, and probably on this podcast. I it, it's that thing again. It's PWG syndrome. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> like, like, I, yeah. I, I get, I get why you want to do it because you want to be advancing storylines and having people kind of coming in and crossing over yeah. and getting and, and, you, and you want everyone time. and you want everyone to get that to get that um ring time and everything. But like, like but that. like the problem is though is you just leave yourself in a situation where you have too much going on at any one moment. Yeah, yeah. That you kind of lose track of everything. Um, my final note for AEW, I love Taz. <laughs> <laughs> He's great. I'm, I'm, I'm not gonna lie, I'm loving Team Taz at the moment. Team <laughs> so... Taz is honestly so much fun. <laughs> uh, just to go over to Impact, first off, uh, we now know that Madison Rain is now leaving Impact. Mm. Uh, mm. Long career as a member of the Knockouts division. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Been filling in as a commentator this year in this weird, wild situation uh, and did her best at it. 
Mm. Uh, I've got a lot of got a lot of distaste for her qual- for quality that she was putting out, but she was filling a role. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, she had some great stuff with Warrior Wrestling, uh, doing independent shows. Mm. Uh, so, power to her, and we hope the best for everything that she goes on to do. Absolutely. Uh, just to say, again, Impact deciding to pull the same gimmick like five years after the fact. <laughs> this time with TJP as Manic. Because TJP couldn't win the X Division title from Rohit Raju. <laughs> hey, look, do you remember that time? I think it might have been a couple of years. It might have even been last year where, because 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 Manic birthed from suicide, and and then they had ended up having a tag match where the partners were Suicide and Manic. It was like, bah, 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 bah. <laughs> yeah, I've seen I've seen double four crusties. <laughs> But it's it's just like it's amazing how how much I've I, as much I have to say I give full power to Impact. They've been doing great work this year. <laughs> but there's been at least four instances where I've seen something and gone, huh? Didn't they do that before? Yeah. <laughs> um. But you know, again. They they're doing it. It looks like they might be building to Chris Bay winning back the X Division title. I'd argue he should be getting a shot at the world title. Hey, but... After a great match with him and Rich Wong, yes, I'd agree with that as well. You know, they're 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 still sounding things out. Um, this to say, obviously, this is my view on the AEW Impact relationship that's kind of developing. It is very clear that they are just selling Impact as a pile of shit. <laughs> Yeah, and 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 I understand why. To a certain degree, I under, yeah. I I can understand why they're doing it because they're like, we're the best. You guys suck. We have all this money in the world, and we have Kenny Omega, the guy with like the most five star matches. We have John Moxley, number one on the PWI five hundred, and whatever. But like the lengths that they are going to now to just be like impact is shit. <laughs> when when logic dictates when you're watching it going, are you watching the same show, Chief? Because this ain't it. <laughs> like like the match that was announced, Kenny Omega's kind of first match, um, in Impact would be is him and the Good Brothers teaming up against Rich Swan. And the Motor City Machine Guns. I look at that and you go, where in that is shit? Because <laughs> like I get, I, I understand the angle they're probably going mm. for is it? Oh look, it's Kenny Omega versus Rich Swan, the guy who like dances around and is all like happy, happy. But like on, but then in the in the same vein with this though, I I can't escape the thing of thinking like, man, they're really just getting Kenny and guys to just play on nostalgia. Yeah, and mention and just go. Hey, look, Bullet Club, New Japan. Mm-hmm. Uh, look at us. And you know, it's it's not meant to be like a slight. It's not meant to be me being like, oh, Kenny Omega's not a good world champion. I hate Kenny Omega. No, it isn't any of that. Like full power to him. He's been do. He's been doing good work in this role. Mm. Mm. But you know, you can't ride the coattails forever. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You know, I, I would like something that lets Kenny stand out as his own. 
Mm, I mean, I was liking it. Honestly, I, I'm, I'm liking this whole dynamic of Kenny and Don. And I thought that was going to go in a very different direction to what he'd been doing previously. And I don't mind seeing him and the Good Brothers back together. It's it's great for a nostalgia pop. But if you're going to have that be now the main going forward, going to be what Kenny's all about, then it's like, it's. I agree with what you said there, Dan. It's like, oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But no, I mean, just yeah, just to continue on though, and try and skip over and get through these little bits. Actually, I say I think Sammy Callahan is one of the most underrated heels in the business. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's been fantastic, and like, I'll be here and say, earlier this year, I did not like Sammy Callahan, <laughs> but he ha- he has actually he has grown on me with his work, and I think they're setting him up into a good position. If we do get the crossover matches, give me Moxley versus Callahan. I'll be happy. Yes, please. <laughs> uh, just quickly to go over to Ring of Honor, uh, Gresham winning two matches in the night, defending the pure title, having the tag match. I love the angle in the tag match where Gresham was wrestling under pure rules. Yes. Because oh. that's really good booking. Yeah. Mm. Because so it was, he's gone booking. through and got so focused on the pure title that when he's in an, just a non-pure match, he's going like, he going to the ref saying, "Look, you hit me with a close fist," and the ref's like, "That doesn't matter. Doesn't matter here." <laughs> you know, him having to be differently ring aware because you know there's not there's unlimited rope breaks and stuff. You know what? I think I know it's probably jumping the gun when we talk about the best of 2020 when we come back. But like seriously, I think Gresham's up there has been one of my favorite wrestlers of 2020. No, Gresham has had a career best year. He has been fantastic this year. Oh, talking of, uh, of of fantastic things that are happening, Dan Hells has finally got his contract. <laughs> he now has the sacks of money from Dave Honor. <laughs> very nice, very evil. Goes along with his very nice. teeth as well. Very evil. Uh, no, I mean I was so happy to see this, and just to say he was fantastic in the match. And <laughs> for any people that are any people that want to deride Dan Housen as just a comedy act, like. He's got ability. Yeah, he really. Like, he is bad. obviously actually a good wrestler. He has ability of some sort. Get it, Dan? Uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, otherwise, though, just going over to New Japan Strong, uh, we had the lovely sight for myself: PJ Black and Fred Ross are teaming up in a tag match. What a throwback, eh? <laughs> what, what a throwback. <laughs> It's just upsetting that they weren't wearing black armbands, but I digress. I know. (laughs) (laughs) But no, it it, it was just lovely to see uh, Kenta retains the IWGP US briefcase. Hopefully we get a match eventually for that, because it feels like he's had it forever. (laughs) (laughs) And like, honestly, I hope one eventually it gets used and we get Kenta to have an IWGP US title run. He deserves it. He has done his absolute darndest to try and keep that relevant. Yeah. And, <laughs> in and, a situation where he can't really get the title per se. Yeah, and credit where credit's due to Kenta. He, he, he's been pulling the work. That's for Dodge. No, he, he's been absolutely... He's been fantastic this year. Um, and then just finally to say that CMLL have had to cancel their uh, usual Christmas show, The Copa Junior, uh, uh, due to... Uh, Lockdown restrictions in Mexico City over the Christmas period. Shame to see, because it's often one of their 
most look forward to events. Mm. Uh, yeah. But CMLL have been doing great work. AAA have been doing fantastic work in this time as well. Yeah. Uh, so just hold on, and I'm sure we'll see plenty of great stuff out of Mexico. But with that, we are done with the news. Brill. So for Recommendation Corner, as ever, we hand it over to our sponsors and our affiliates of Suplex, Gaijin Worldwide, Graps Apparel, and our merch store at What A Maneuver. All that good stuff. All those great things. And as ever, you can see all of the uh, all the promo codes that we have on our socials at Sweet Chinwag on Twitter. But with that... They're in the pin tweet. In the pin tweet. <laughs> Actually, they're in, they are, aren't they? Uh, yeah. <laughs> but with see, that... I thought about that. <laughs> <laughs> with that, it is time to head on to the main portion of our episode. The European Championship. Dan, I know you're containing your excitement. But um, mm-hmm. I know you're excited for this. Very excited for, for this. Very. <laughs> so, yeah, let us crack on and let us start, as we always like to do with these things of title retrospectives, at the very beginning, the inauguration of the title. The year is 1997. During the European tour at this time, and especially during some house shows in the Germany stint of the European tour, yep. a new championship is made, the WWF European Championship, and is contested in a tournament. A very short tournament. Wrestling's favourite. <laughs> a very short tournament of about eight participants. The, the participants of this tournament were the British Bulldog, Mankind, Vader, Rocky Maivere, Owen Hart, Flash Funk. Hey, it's the first. It's the first uh, reference to, to Cold Scorpio that we've had on this podcast. <laughs> hey, hey. Oh, Cold we, Scorpio. We, we got it just at the end of the year. Good <laughs> Bret Hart and Hunter Hearst Helmsley. The last time we're going to hear a Triple H on this podcast. No, it won't it? be. <laughs> he um, follows us like a shadow. <laughs> <laughs> like a bad smell. No, uh... Don't worry, our our other um our other person that we do playing the hits for is going to come up later. <laughs> oh, will he? Oh, will he? Um. So, this uh the finals of this tournament were uh, British Bulldog and Owen Hart. The show took place in Berlin, and uh, British Bulldog became the inaugural European champion. Now. The origins, if... And please do correct me if I'm wrong, Dan, because you are certainly an expert on this championship. Now, the origins of this title were to be contested predominantly in European countries by and with European um, wrestlers. Yeah, so pretty much the... It's kind of hard to explain it, especially in a way that makes sense for now, but pretty much it was intended to be a title that was only going to be defended on european tours (laughs) and i know that's a very weird concept for people to try and understand but when you really think about it in the kind of like the layman's terms this was certainly if you ask me or what it looks like from an outsider's perspective a title to just to give to davy boy smith so they can keep him away from the wwf title <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> like, well, no, honestly, when when you're looking at this title and you look at kind of the origins about it and everything it, it stands for, it was literally just built to be given to David Boy Smith. <laughs> so, uh, before I go into more of the history of it, Dan, 
Would you like to describe what the title looks like? Because, honestly, I think this is one of the more underrated, good-looking championships that they had back in the yeah. day. Yeah, so the best way to describe how exactly how the title works is you have your standard black strap with a gold plate and the kind of standard WWE side plates of the time uh, with, I mean, your usual WWE text and everything european champion which i believe was written in red yes uh and i think the champion bit was written in blue but (laughs) (laughs) um you then had uh much like how the the big gold has the like the little globe carved into it Mm. but it focuses on the u.s yeah world heavyweight title by the way (laughs) um it had that but instead it was focused on over europe uh, and then had the lovely addition of various European flags down the side of it. Yeah. Uh, and the only ones I can ever vividly remember are that the W the sorry, UK uh, flag is to the top left corner, and I believe the Swiss flag is to the top right. <laughs> Something like that. I know that the Greek flag is in there as well. The Greek flag's on there, the German flag is on there, and so is the French one. <laughs> So just at the massive hodge, they just took like everything. They, they just took like six random European flags. They just typed in like Europe in like clip art, and just threw it at the gold title. But we say that, but it does look really nice. No, I, the thing is, honestly, I don't think it's a bad looking title, especially given some of the other designs that were going around at the time. Because like I'll be mm. here and say that, and we're looking at 1997 here. I mean, to be fair, actually, they had some pretty decent-looking titles pretty much across the board. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the only real title out of that time that I've never been a, a huge fan of was the women's title design. Mm. Um, I'm just trying to think if there's anything else, because obviously at the time you had the Winged Eagle. Uh, we had, uh, I think we just had the, the, the Attitude Era um yeah intercontinental title you know the, yeah the, uh, the, the oval the, one yeah the oval one with the black strap yeah. which lasted pretty pretty long up until about 2011 yes um um the, the old i school... guess you had the cruiserweight title in there it would have been around <clears throat> that time <clears throat> i mean I'll, I'll also say from this same time period i was a big fan of the <laughs> the short-lived wwf light heavyweight belt Yes, yes. Um, I thought it was always quite a nice design. The red strap, the red strap with the kind of very small kind of uh, uh, main plate. I was was a not yeah. not a bad look. It fit Jerry Lynn in its in yeah. its last in its last days as a championship. Um, but, but no, no. I think I think it is it is a surprisingly nice looking belt for something that look that sounds like such a massive hodgepodge. Indeed, indeed. So, uh, David Smith won this title in February. Um, in the house uh, during the house uh, or European tour, held that title for two hundred and six days. Um, eventually losing it to Shawn Michaels at the one night only pay per view in England. Um, so here we go. <laughs> so interesting oh God, fact we'll about this: right there was no reason for Shawn to win this belt. Um, most he only wanted to win it because he wanted to be Grand Slam champion. Yeah, so this comes at the time when Shawn Michaels was at his worst. Yes, yes. And basically, if there was a belt 
that had any kind of traction, Sean wanted it. Yeah. And if he wanted it, he would get it. Now, now remember, this was a few short weeks before the Montreal Screwjob as well. Yeah. So he was walking into Survivor Series as European champion. So, I mean, it is... it is worth saying as the stat that Shawn Michaels is the only person to have been WWF and WWE European champion at the same time. <laughs> but, I mean, let's just really kind of time frame this because obviously you have Davey Boy Smith, British Bulldog, going into the one night only pay per view as champion. Yep. Uh, Ridden, do you know where the one night only pay per view was held? I'm guessing London. Something. It was the NEC Arena in Birmingham. Oh boy! Oh no! Uh, which fun fact is uh, about a hundred miles away from where David Boy Smith was born. Uh, he was born in uh, just outside of uh, St Helens. Yep. Kind of in between St Helens, Warrington, and Wigan, which is a combination mm. for any of our UK listeners. <laughs> uh, and again, supposedly, there was there was literally no reason for Sean to win this belt <laughs> because it was literally being defended in the UK yep. against the UK favorite. Yeah. And so, and sure enough, we mm. go into one night only. Sean Michaels wins. Everyone questions it, and the UK fans are incredibly unhappy. <laughs> oh boy! As they would be. Uh, and yeah, this kind of lent itself into the same thing of people really, really getting annoyed at Shawn Michaels and the amount of politicking that the clique used to do. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I think the next reign really solidifies that for me. Um, I don't care if this was storyline or not. This just, this just, this annoys me when I when when I go back and look at it. So, the Christmas episode of Monday Night Raw happens and Shawn Michaels oh sorry WWF Commissioner Sergeant Slaughter has had yep. enough of, of these degenerates Shawn Michaels and Hunter Hearst Helmsley and so pits Shawn and Triple H in a match for the European Championship oh he thought alright he's got one up on them they're gonna have to fight each other this this will clear them up and so the match begins and Shawn Michaels intentionally loses the match by uh by Triple H by laying on the floor and Triple H just running the ropes and then just over-dramatizing it and then pinning Sean clean to win the European Championship. And yeah. So, I mean, I guess just for the sake of context, uh, let, let's do let's do a little bit of talking about the click. <laughs> oh, God, is this, is this the episode where we properly talk about the click? I, I mean, I... We'll, 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 give, we'll, give, we'll, give a short, we'll give a short rundown, especially for the time, because I think it really helps. You know what this calls for? Pokedex entry. <laughs> yeah. Oh god, Pokedex entry, Dan. I can feel the rage emanating off you. This is yours, buddy. Well, I mean, it's not really rage that's emanating off me, but I think it's important for this kind of understanding this situation. Because don't forget, obviously, not long after this, the Montreal screwjob happens. Yeah. Mm. Uh both the British Bulldog and Bret Hart leave for WCW. Owen can't. Yep. Uh, because of his contract situation. And, I mean, so first off, the click. Uh, the group so that was formed of Shawn Michaels, Triple H, Kevin Nash, Scott Hall, and X-Pac. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
who were very notorious in the mid to late 90s for the amount of backstage politicking they used to do. If you don't know what backstage politicking is, uh, it's basically just adjusting things so they work in your favor. Uh, Sean was notorious at the time for refusing to drop belts. He always vacated them. Uh, he either vacated them or loses. Always, always said that you know we'd have to hold off on the title match because of an injury. Um, you know the amount of time. You know it always seemed like, regardless of whether or not they'd broken, you know, wellness violations, it didn't really seem to matter. You know they'd kind of come and go as they please. They could basically just book themselves to win. <clears throat> and I mean. Very fortunately, in the time coming after that, Shawn Michaels has realized how much of an absolute arsehole he was for doing that. Uh, unfortunately, it took him a while to realize that. Yeah, <laughs> it took him until he returned, basically, in two thousand and six. He had to literally took, find. It, it, he had to literally find Jesus to remember. Yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah, it, it's a thing that's kind of followed followed them for years i mean we've already spoken about the reign of terror yeah <laughs> we spoke uh we haven't got to wcw yet but we will oh yeah that's just just uh, just you wait listen to that <laughs> but you know we we can talk about the amount of politicking that the nwo used to do in wcw yeah uh and just the amount of poor like we said it was literally just a case of sean wanted the title because davy boy had it and it was getting and it had good popularity and traction because obviously the uk loves Davy Boy Smith because he's the hometown hero. Yeah. He's was... from the UK, so we're going to like him. <laughs> so, yeah. Exactly. So it was less about the title and more about the fact that we actually have a UK guy in WWF that was holding gold. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. so, sure enough, as the story goes into One Night Only, um, Sean went to whoever was responsible for that event. It, it's quoted to be Bruce Pritchard, but mm. it may have been Vince, it may have been any number of other people, mm. and said pretty much, oh, I should beat him to get heat, and then we can have another, then we can have a rematch, and it will get even more reaction. So, it was agreed. Problem is, the rematch never happened. Yeah. <laughs> There never was a rematch for Davy Boy. And so not at any point. Mm. And sure enough, Sean just went round with the title and treated it like crap. And so begins the weird ruling now that kind of stuck with the European Championship, where it was now basically just a a title that can be contested by anyone and in the United States. Um, yeah. It ended up becoming, I guess, what you would call the uh, the opener title. You know, we had, you know, you had the Intercontinental title, which was like the the mid card to upper uh, mid card title. The yeah, WWF the best the best way to kind of put it, it was it was kind of like a stepping stone title, mm. basically. And and I think the people who held that title around this time, in a sense, sort of reflect that. Um, so we had, of course. Owen Hart ended up winning the title from Triple H shortly after he'd won that, but then got legit yep. injured, and so Triple H uh, had retained that title in a match that was originally scheduled for WrestleMania 14. And then, of course, we come to uh, 
we come to probably one of the more iconic, or if not the most iconic, uh, European champion, our boy, D'Lo Brown. <laughs> I think the important thing with this is that D'Lo Brown is probably the only person who is acknowledged for his time with the European title. And hmm. um, in the words of the, I believe it was the, yeah, so I have a cultaholic or what culture, but he said, recognized for it and not in spite of it. Exactly. Exactly. Mm. And this is to say, D'Lo Brown was fantastic with the European title. Yeah, I mean, if he was consistently defending this title on Heat, uh, Jacked, Metal, and on Raws as well. So he, yeah, it's no, not like, like he was resting on his laurels. <laughs> very quick, no, no, he... A very quick sidebar. I When you mentioned D'Lo Brown, I'm like, that guy has to be quite old, right? I looked him up. He is, out of the time of this recording, 48 years old. Yeah. He, That's he, a young the dude. Thing, the, thing is, young. the thing is, right, <laughs> is that you always kind of looked at him and I always thought he was older than he was. Yeah. <laughs> true. Like, he, like true. he, like the age didn't hit him until he stopped wrestling. <laughs> you're right. You are right on that one. I mean, I mean, he still looks like, he still looks good, but I'm just like, wow, you're 48? Damn, you started young. Yeah, but don't, don't, don't look at him when he was on his, uh, his brief excursion in TNA. He is on also, all, all the um, all that brief thing he did when he was coach, and that uh, god awful ITV celebrity wrestling. But again, as I as I as I teased, boy, we're going to talk about that show in the future. <laughs> well, I've already mentioned Hulk Hogan's celebrity championship wrestling, so it makes sense to bring in another one. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, so we head on over to around nineteen ninety nine. X-Pac and Shane McMahon have kind of been jockeying f for the title, and I've had this kind of really weird kind of rivalry uh, between yeah. one another that all culminates on the February 15th, uh, 1999 edition of Monday Night Raw. So, in a tag team match, uh, Shane McMahon and Kane went up against Triple H and X-Pac. If Shane pinned X-Pac, he could become European champion. And guess what? He actually pinned X-Pac and became European champion. Yep. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was what's really funny about this is this was the first time that the European title was retired slash deactivated yes. because Shane McMahon wanted to retire on top as European champion. Fun yeah, fact his, about this his... that we'll get into this is that WCW tried to replicate this with David Flair becoming the US champion. Oh, David Flair. <laughs> oh, David Flair. But yeah, so the, the, yeah, the angle of this was that Shane McMahon wanted to be an undefeated champion. So he chose the European title and then retired it. <laughs> <laughs> Such a weird thing. But you know what? Oh, boy, does it get worse from here. <laughs> oh, in, it does, because in June, this next one... <laughs> in June of 1999 on, uh, on Raw in Memphis, Tennessee, Shane McMahon awards the European title to Midian after finding the title in his travel bag. Uh, wow, so there's, the there's, there's, there's two really big aside notes here. Uh, one, yes, Shane McMahon was part of the ministry. Don't question it. <laughs> Second of all, yes, 
Midian, as in that Midian in the ministry, as in B-Tech Undertaker, brackets, the guy who eventually tried to wrestle naked. Wearing nothing but a fanny pack and coming out to real American. That Midian. As, as, as you do. But you know what? This did end up coining something that became actually really quite iconic for the mid card because after this Midian didn't hold the title for very long thank goodness uh, oh it's like uh, 30 days at most a, a month a month or so later at the fully loaded pay-per-view D'Lo Brown wins back that title but he became fun fact the first person to become <clears throat> Euro continental champion Dual, dual everyone holding. thinks it was Kurt but exactly. D'Lo did it first <laughs> D'Lo became dual holder of the Intercontinental and European Championships. You can never take that away from him. You hear me? You cannot. <laughs> <laughs> um, he ended up defeating Jarrett, actually, for the Intercontinental Championship. And there is our Jeff Jarrett quota there, ladies and gentlemen. There it <laughs> is. Ding, 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 ding. And then that ended up, um, soon enough, um, after, I think it was SummerSlam, um, in 1999, yep. Jeff Jarrett would end up winning both of those titles to become the second holder of the Eurocontinental Championship, but uh, would end up giving or vacate. Well, that's not. I guess vacating isn't even the word. The the best way to describe it is kind of like when we said with uh, me. He basically awarded the title to Mark Henry. Basically, he award. He just gave the title to Mark Henry. After because he assisted Jarrett, Jarrett during that match, so Mark Henry had turned his back on D'Lo Brown and just kind of decided. And Jarrett just like, oh hey, yeah, that, we, should, we should hey, we that. should mention here. Um, the context for this is that uh, D'Lo Brown and Mark Henry were teaming up together because D'Lo Brown was working as Mark Henry's coach to help him lose weight, uh, and Mark Henry thought that he was being pushed too hard and so turned on him at SummerSlam. Yeah. The attitude oh. error, everybody. Yep. <laughs> so, after this, God, after two <clears throat> long years of waiting, hoping to get his title back, the British Bulldog ends up regaining his European title in October of 1999 on SmackDown. It took it, him uh, bloody long enough. Yeah, it took him, it took him more than long enough. Uh, this was when he was teaming with the Mean Street Posse, wasn't it? Yep. Yeah, this wasn't a good point for Bulldog. <laughs> no, it wasn't but at all. But <laughs> he did recapture it and held it for like 40-something days. Around that time, I believe so. And then he ended up losing it, I believe, in a triple threat match at... I want to say it was Armageddon. Because it was. I think it was the December, it was the December pay-per-view, and I'm swearing... I, memory serves me correctly. I believe it was Armageddon. Here that involved Dio Brown, Val Venus, and British Bulldog. Val Venus, of course, would pick up the victory to become European champion. Fucking Val Venus. After this began the the very uh, what everyone attributes to being the very first Eurocontinental, but I guess you would say the most famous Eurocontinental yeah. reign, and that's Kurt Angle. Um, what's really like the funnest, like the most like amazing fact of this is that Angle was months into his career like i think it was not even yeah. like i think it was like four months into his into his career in wwf and had already yeah picked pretty up pretty much like three pretty much three four months in yeah wow. three four months in he's already picked up and this is several months before 
he would become WWF champion as well. Yeah, so when we talk about it being like a, a kind of stepping stone, this is kind of the thing that we talk about. And mm. no more was it a stepping stone than for Kurt Angle. Like, holy moly. Yeah, when you put it like that, his his rise was quite meteoric, wasn't it? It's oh, no, there, there's so a reason why some people will still use the phrase having a Kurt Angle rookie year. Yeah, because... Mm. Like, some people still use that, and it is very clear, because the dude was on another level in his first year and you know this you know let's not take away from the fact as well that even triple h said yeah that guy's better than me on his first year <laughs> yeah like like or like it's straight up to say kurt angle is built different <laughs> and then some of course kurt angle would end up losing uh that uh it wasn't a very long reign of the Eurocontinental. No, no, no. It was again. I think only. I think much like a lot of things in, or at least mid card titles in the Attitude Era, it was like a flash of thirty time. something, thirty something days. Uh, it was a triple threat match in his first WrestleMania, if I believe so, going up against both yep. Chris's, uh, Chris Jericho and Stephen Richards. Um, <clears throat> yeah. What was weird about this is because Jericho was such a mainstay for the IC title. I can't understand. I still, I'm still baffled by the booking decision to have Jericho win the European Championship and for Stephen Richards to win the uh, IC Championship. Yeah, it was a, it's it's a weird thing to describe because basically Jericho didn't really need it. No, and, mm. and, and 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 the proof and the records prove that because he didn't even hold on to that belt for a day. Yeah, he ended up losing it on the Raw the next day to uh to Eddie Guerrero who had quite the lengthy run with that title. And honestly, I think with the Radicals being around that time, I think he had very, for me, a very iconic reign with that European title. Oh, no, he had a great reign with it. It's just what I have to say. This was the uh, this was the precursor to Eddie in China. Yes, it was. Yes, this, it this, was. This yeah. set up the start of Eddie in China, which was a very fruitful period for both of them. Mm. Such a good angle. Oh, so that was an amazing angle. I'm still, I'm still kind of like, I'm very intrigued as to how that came about, like in the actual writers' room. It's not something you think about. I, I like, reckon it was something to do with the whole Triple H, um, kind of, you know, being in the storyline with Steph, and then that bleeding into real life. And um, well, because Triple H and China were an item, uh, <laughs> um, Triple H was cheating on China with Stephanie. <laughs> Yeah, it's it, 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 it establishing on the record. Um, I mean, there's another thing some people attribute it to, which was some kind of weird thing of like, obviously, because uh, for a, a, a thing a lot of people forget is that China is actually uh, Latina. Mm. I did not know that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so there's a, there's a great moment from like a rule where China just starts speaking like perfect Spanish. It's, you would uh, never think that in a million years, would you? Um, <laughs> I think it's that so, hair. So, it's her hair. So some people attribute it to that thing of like, oh, well, Eddie's our biggest rising, you know, Latino star. Mm. Let's pair them up. Yeah, let's pair, pair them up with probably one of the biggest stars we've got. Mm. Yeah, and it's like, and honestly, again, like, A, a lot of people forget the European title had anything to do with this. <laughs> So, uh, and second of all, people just forget about how 
about that partnership because I thought it was yeah. amazing. I, so I I legitimately forgot until until this until this minute. Quick, very quick sidebar. Mm-hmm. How popular was China in in Mexico? If that's the, do we know? <clears throat> I don't, I don't. I don't know that she was very popular because it's probably because I, I imagine it's probably probably not. It wasn't like a big push like Eddie Guerrero had because Eddie Guerrero was very very specifically like his entire thing. Yeah, was he was very specifically aimed at the Mexican market. Mm. <laughs> but um, I, I think I think just it may have been a case of like, oh well, she is as well. <laughs> Put the two together. There's a six degrees of separation there somewhere. <laughs> Yeah. There is, probably. <laughs> um, so yeah, and thus begins a weird sort of a little time where it was being flip flopped between quite a lot of people. Also, with Al Snow winning the title, he was the <clears> second <throat> person to do a very weird gimmick, which Dilo also did. Can I just say, I thought I I know this gimmick is stupid, but I kind of respect it. <laughs> <laughs> so Reardon, Dilo Brown, <clears throat> and Al Snow when they were holders. Of respective holders of the European Championships would end would end up in their entrance being billed from different parts of <laughs> Europe. Oh God, man! Because you know European champion. Why not? <laughs> it's so so weird. Um... Al Snow used to dress up as well. Yes, oh, in no. very stereotypical fashion, <laughs> and the very confusing one of for some reason his his idea of what a Greek person looked like was basically a 50s greaser. We won't get into that, though. Get it, Grace? Oh, shit. I just <laughs> Fuck. Everything, everything is worse now that we know that. Oh, right. Sorry, I gave you chills and now they're multiplying. Moving on. <laughs> we come to this. The only grease lightning that's going to be hitting you is when it fucking strikes you. <laughs> yeah. I'm with, I'm with Dan on that one. <gasps> Me going on to the second, the second only European person to hold that title. We're going to talk about yeah. William Regal for a bit there. Oh, now, now, yes. now that you said oh. that, I'll just leave now. <laughs> oh boy, William Goddamn Regal. Right, Commissioner at the time, and I still love Commissioner Regal to this day. Oh, it's amazing. Commissioner Regal's amazing, and oh, honestly, one of my favourites. He has to be one of my favourite European champions. Oh yeah, no, he was amazing. He had he had great runs with it. Yeah, mm. yeah, he had he had great matches. Dare I say he had a really good match with Crash Holly when he won the uh, European title off of of Regal. He had great matches against Test, Eddie, Perry. Like, let's be honest, William Regal can have a good match with a pillow and it still be and it still be yeah. bloody entertaining. That, to that's because he beat the crap out of that pillow. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um. Okay, we can go on to the kind of like the last, the the last remnants, the the final farewell, I guess we could say, of the European title from two thousand and one to two thousand and two. The start of two thousand and one saw Test um, as the holder of the European title going into WrestleMania seventeen, um, as everyone knows, is the greatest WrestleMania of all time, up against Eddie Guerrero. One of the more, I guess, one of the more <laughs> matches that a lot of people kind of tend to forget or skip over but it's not a bad match considering this no, no, is no. wrestlemania 17 as well that is still considered the greatest wrestlemania of all time it's it gets lost in the shuffle when you have rock austin taker triple h vince mcmahon versus shane mcmahon 
you yeah. had that absolute classic between Kurt Angle and Stephen Richards. <laughs> like it's it, you're bound to have two, one or two matches get lost in the shuffle of of that, and it's unfortunate that this match <clears> does <throat> get lost in it. Um, but it is it is a good match if you go no, back it, and watch it. Is. Uh, I'll just say this for anyone that doesn't uh, already acknowledge it. Test was really good. <laughs> Test was such a good big man wrestler. I forget how good he was, to be quite honest. I'll be honest. <laughs> uh, once, you see him, once you start seeing compilations of the big boot, then you'll start to remember. Oh, I don't even care. Test has like the big best big boot in, in WWE <laughs> history. Um, and after this, kind of really saw... It kind of getting passed around less and less frequently. <clears throat> we had Reigns from Christian, yep. DDP when he came in um, mm-hmm. during the invasion angle, Regal winning it on a couple more occasions. Um, when it was rebranded, of course, when WWF became WWE, we had Spike Dudley win the title from Regal at one yep. point. Um, Jeff Hardy had a reign, not for very long though. It was a very kind of short <clears throat> reign. Um, Rob and Rob Van Dam uh, ended up. Uh, as the final champion of the See, European title. Just quickly, there's one reign that you forgot. Oh, whose is that? Matt Hardy's reign. Matt Hardy's reign, yes, because he was the one that won it after Eddie, wasn't it? Yep. And and Before... that was actually, if memory serves me, that that's one of the longest, one of the longest reigns that uh, the titles has, uh, has had. It is the second longest behind British Bulldog. Yep. Uh, and it was really Matt Hardy's breakout moment from his brother. Yeah, actually, no, thinking about it, yeah, how the heck did I forget that one? Because that is the one that kind of put, gave a little bit of um, credibility to Matt as a singles competitor. Yeah, no, it was it was a real big platform for him uh, mm. to be working on, and he did some really, really good work at that time. Really uh, I, believe, I believe he then did drop it to Christian. He did, that was when he dropped it to Christian, correct. Um, but yeah, Rob Van Dam ended up becoming the final uh, Eurocontinental champion, unifying unifying both belts, and then kind of dissolving the European title into the Intercontinental title. Of course, we've talked about this time as the the weird booking decision to have all of the mid-card titles disappear and have Triple H be the one and only champion on Raw during his reign yeah. of terror. Because, well, course, yeah, because it, it was the... So it was the European the intercontinental and i believe the hardcore title that all yes. unified together yeah why the hardcore title is being unified with the ic i have no idea but that is a weird combination exactly that's so odd the, interco- the intercontinental title no the yeah. Eurocontinental. the europe the, the hard continental <laughs> 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 I love how we're just trying to figure that. Yeah, the I will go for the hard continental title <laughs> for hard men who so, are hard. It's 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 a shame that it end. It started off as a really really great concept and a really good vehicle for British Bulldog to kind of sink his teeth into, and then just kind of end with a whimper. Yeah, I I mean I've, it's I'm sorry hard to all, say. All I'm hearing is we had this great idea and then the click ruined it. I'm sorry, that's all I've heard. To be honest, that's how a lot of people feel about the European title. (laughs) That is true. For a lot of people that I've ever spoken to about this, they will just say the worst thing that happened to it was that Sean won it. Yeah. 
Oh God, yeah. And to Arms. be honest, that that's pretty much the thing because it set, it just completely removed the central point, which was it was European wrestlers that could defend it on European tours. Mm. Or I mean, I guess maybe they might have had the thing of oh, if you're an American wrestler, you could only win it in Europe per se. I just I like, <laughs> but like that was the biggest worry like about when they made the U- United Kingdom Championship and Pete Dunne started defending it against American competitors. Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember that little time that they had when NXT <clears throat> yeah. UK wasn't wasn't established yet? And I was like, oh god. He no, just really. had a title and they were like, oh shit, well he's in NXT main now and he's the UK champion, what do we do? <laughs> <laughs> Quickly, give it to Roderick Strong. No. Uh... <laughs> but, um... Yeah, it's it is a shame because th- th- there is a lot. There was a lot of potential, and, th- and we could see there was potential there uh, as a very kind of a, a nice title for that group of people that needed to break out into the upper mid card slash main event. Mm. Um. So before I I I wrap up all of this, would you guys like to do a little European Championship stats quiz? Yep. Okay. So. so would you like to know, without looking, of course, Dan, uh, <laughs> and Reardon, would you like to give me the person who had the most combined reigns of the European Championship? Most combined reigns? I want to say Regal. Dan? Uh, so it was Regal and Dilo at four. He's got it. Ah, you were right as well, Reardon. and you get you get a yeah. point, and, and Dan, gets, Dan gets a point and a half. <laughs> no, he gets two points. No. <laughs> <laughs> Who was the youngest champion of the European title? Ooh. would that uh, be Dilo as well? Because I like <laughs> to be quite honest. No, it wasn't uh, Dilo. Youngest holder. Uh, how was Spike? Because I'm was not... in his 30s when he Yeah, when yeah, he, no. He Spike was. looks like a child, but he was in his 30s. Oh, wow, okay. <laughs> uh, I'm going to say Matt Hardy. Ah, you should have gone with his brother. Oh, it was Jeff. Yeah, Jeff <laughs> uh, was the youngest champion at 24 years and seven days. Christ, I forget. Uh, I forget. Yeah, Matt is the older one, isn't he? Yeah. I forget that. Would you like to know who the oldest champion is? Uh, That's oldest. Al Snow? Reardon, your answer? No. I haven't got anyone, actually. It was... Diamond Dallas Page at oh, of course, of course it was DDP. Because yeah. the only because the stat I fucking remember for DDP is that it was his only WWE WWF title. Yeah, that's 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 bloody criminal for DDP if you ask me. <laughs> well, trust me with the with the, with, the, with the gimmicks and angles that he got given when he came to WWF. Oh, <laughs> bloody hell! Right, heaviest champion. Heaviest champion. Did Vader win it? No. Who did we talk about earlier? No. Come on. D'Lo and. Oh, that's no, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's sexual chocolate, baby. 
Yeah, it's actual chocolate. Um, oh. 392 pounds. I'm guessing the weight program didn't work for him. God yeah, damn it, D-Lo. <laughs> All right, this one's easy. Who was the lightest European champion? <laughs> Surely Spike. Yeah, Surely. Spike Dudley, 150 pounds. Can I just say, like, yesterday... Um... I was like going through like all the wrestling videos that I watched, and I fucking watched um, from like e- uh, from ECW, uh, Mike Awesome versus Spike Dudley. Oh, crunch that match! Oh, Yo. That match. Just Mike Awesome just for the heck of it. Mike <laughs> Awesome does a gorilla pass and drops him out to the outside while he's still wearing the belt. Yeah, <laughs> it is a that is a match you need to go back and watch, Red, <laughs> for sure. Um, so before we end, let's talk a little bit, a bit about the legacy. Of course, we talked about, well, of course, the can trick I, ruining it, ruining it. Can I, can I drop it? Can I drop a stat for you? Absolutely, sure. drop a stat for me. Uh, the European title has one very specific plaudit to it. It is the only title that has been defended. Without the champion in the match. Yes, that is true. Would you like to know, Reardon, who that person was and the circumstances I, surrounding it? I really, really want to know. I'm so, thinking this has to do with Triple H and The Undertaker for some reason. Oh, you're so, right. It has to do with Triple H. The Dad. champion was Triple H, but he didn't wrestle the match. The the person who wrestled that match was Gold Dust in his the artist formerly known as Gold Dust pe- period, and it had Dustin Rhodes dressed up like Triple H <laughs> wrestling the match against I believe uh, Owen Hart. Yeah, against Owen Hart, and after the match, Owen Hart won, and Sergeant Slaughter ruled that. Well, Goldust was the stand-in for Triple H. <laughs> so Owen Hart gets the title. <laughs> there you go. Well, alright then. <laughs> oh, man. So, I mean, that's what, what's, that's one heck of a stat to, to end that part of the, uh, well, of the podcast. There's, <clears throat> there's that, and then there's... Uh, you, you can have a little guess out of this. Of the people that have won the European title, how many of them have gone on to hold either the WWE, WCW, or TNA World titles? That's very tough. You have about you have about thirty or so winners of the European title. I want to say, I want to say like eighteen of them. Sam. Ten. It is ten. Hey! Oh. <laughs> okay. Um. Uh, God. If I had to guess, um. I don't I... have the full list of every ten, but. <laughs> oh God! If I would had to guess, it would be Triple H, Jeff Jarrett, Mark Henry, Kurt Angle, Chris Jericho, Eddie Guerrero. Matt Hardy, yep. Christian, Jeff Hardy, yep. Rob Van Dam. 
I'm fairly sure that is all of them. <laughs> I'm a nerd. I am such a nerd. Jesus. I'm fairly sure that that is correct. That but... sounds that sounds pretty damn accurate to mine. <laughs> but I think it's amazing though, that this like kind of what was conceived as like a kind of random mid card title has that kind of element to it. Obviously, these are people who've gone on years later. Hmm. <laughs> like Matt Hardy didn't get his first world title until like TNA way years yeah. after way years after this but um but i guess that's that's a great way to talk about or kind of uh, show people its legacy really yeah it's it's really it's weird for a title that didn't stick around for a long for long 97 it only only existed for five years it's still very well recognized by fans yeah i mean no i think so it's still in video games Matter of fact, it was in the. It was if you played WWE 12, the faction of British people known as the United Kingdom dissolved the US title and brought back the European title. <laughs> Just to say, I'd love to see that angle return in real life. I yeah, really want to see sounds... a faction of Regal, McIntyre, Sheamus, and Wade Barrett. Because, like, could you. I mean. I don't want to have to start getting us talking about Cesaro single pushes. (laughs) (laughs) But could you imagine Cesaro wins the US title and says, nah, I don't want that. Brings back the European title. Yes. I want that. Mm. He's got the Swiss flag on the belt as well. Exactly. Yeah, like that would be good heat. (laughs) And like, obviously it's it's a thing. We can talk about like the legacy and how it exists as a stepping stone title and, you know, I, I like I'll be here and say as much as I love a lot of the concepts about it, I love it to come back in like an angle like that. Yeah. Especially because WWE has so much more European presence now. Oh yeah. More than they ever did back in like in the you late nineties. <laughs> what we're talking about, it only ever had two European champions. Both were British. And for example, WWE only officially signed their first French wrestler this year. <laughs> Wow! Man. To NXT to the, to the NXT UK Women's Division. Crazy when you think With about their it. Their first ever directly signed French wrestler. That's nuts. That's nuts. Ilya Dragunov is the first non-kayfabe Russian wrestler signed to WWE, <laughs> and he signed in 2019. Yep. <laughs> oh man, it, that is that is nuts when you think about it. But with that. <laughs> on that note that wraps up our episode all about the european championship dan was it all that it was cracked up to be <laughs> i just love talk. i just love talking about it and the european title is amazing and if they want to bring it back for worlds collide i'm not against it um <laughs> talk it was so much fun to research the european championship dude it's just got such a it's it's one of those things where like it has such a random history mm. because it goes everywhere from main eventing a pay-per-view to Christian winning it on the dark match for Raw. Yeah. <laughs> so, so hodgepodge and all over the place. It's it's true chaotic energy. True. Very much so. So accurate. <laughs> um, but yeah, that wraps up this episode. Not a very long one, but one, I, if you ask me, was full of intrigue and and, and, and zaniness if you <laughs> if you ask me so next episode is our very first 
Christmas special. <laughs> we are going to be talking about Christmas gimmicks in professional wrestling. Because, oh boy, is that a doozy. <laughs> I am so excited. Matches, gimmicks, Father Christmas, Father Christmas I... being run over. All of that will get discussed and then some on this. I just week. love the entire premise of having a Christmas gimmick because, like, you can't keep that up beyond the Christmas period. <laughs> but we'll talk about that. We will talk all about that on that episode, which will come out on Christmas Day. So be excited for that. When you're having your mince pie after you've had Christmas dinner, you get to listen to us free talk about the weird world of Christmas in WWE. But with all that being said, I have been Sam, this has been Reardon and Dan, and you have been listening to the Sweet Chin Web Podcast. We will see you, as ever, on the next one. Bye! Bye-bye! Auf Wiedersehen! <laughs> <laughs>